0: this is a pre-recorded transmission from the world's worst tornado shelter this is the through the eyes of jesus podcast my name is isaiah leininger joining me today as always is my good friend walker howell and our special guest today is tim go ahead and introduce yourself tim
1: hi yeah my name is timothy sakula i am a uh, bible and history major here at uh, fhu and i am the editor and writer at exhort one another which is the website i run Uh, We're currently going through some changes, so if you want to look at us, find us on Facebook, at EOA website.
0: Thank you, Tim, for that, and thank you so much for joining us today. Boys, today, the topic of our podcast is times of chaos. And if you caught what I said at the beginning, there's a tornado outside, at least a tornado watch. And we have, been, we have been watching for it all day. <laughs> we, we, we are trying to make sure that we do not become the next Dorothy from Wizard of Oz. We've well, we um, we got mean... about
1: three hours left of that, so, you know, <laughs> there's still time. There's...
0: But, but the point is, things like this happen, right? Storms of nature, storms of life, things that we don't expect to happen. The, the unexpected, the chaotic, the unpredictable, those things happen. And just for for those of you who have not been able to listen to our episodes or our previous episodes this is the through the eyes of jesus podcast we want to look at worldly problems through a christian perspective and today we're going to be looking at problems that we don't expect things that happen that we're not ready for the unpredictable and the chaotic
2: some of the things that are unpredictable and chaotic in our lives is that in our spiritual life and oftentimes we experience spiritual crisis um, through our chaotic times in life. And I think one of the ways that we experience uh, spiritual crisis is our identity in Christ. We sort of lose what our identity in Christ is. And so we have an identity crisis and um, I know this is a point in itself that can be elaborated on. So if any of y'all want to add to that.
1: Yeah. Spiritual crisis is a way bigger topic than it might first imply Uh, Anytime that something happens, whether internal or external, that shakes our faith and trust in God could Mm -hmm. be considered um, a a spiritual crisis. So identity crisis in Christ, not knowing who we are in our faith, that's a big one. Um, Losing our purpose, what we have set out to do. Um, Maybe we find ourselves in a situation where we don't know what to believe any longer. Something's happened that has shaken the foundational aspect of our faith. Or maybe we're just in a difficult situation where it's difficult to trust. All of these could fall under the mantle of a spiritual crisis and all have different challenges and aspects.
2: That's right. And even there's some things in our own lives that can cause spiritual crisis like death in the family. Um, and, it's, and I'm going to go off for a second and I'm going to go back to Isaiah and how he alluded earlier to things that we're currently experiencing at the time of this recording. And I think it's pretty... I think it's funny in the sense of we cho- we chose to record this episode on this day and then there's all this happening outside and around us. I, I-, I think that's pretty, uh, I don't know if you want to call it coincidental or whatever you want to call it, but I think it's, <laughs> I think it's funny in the sense that we're talking about times of chaos and chaos, chaos is erupting right outside of our window. Um, but, you know, there's other things in our lifetime that happen that causes spiritual crisis, such as uh, a, a tragic lifetime event such as a tornado that may be devastating or a, uh, or something else in our lives that may be um, tragic. And then I think another one that we often neglect is that uh, we, we're just not well spiritually fed. We're, we're spiritually hungry and we're lacking in biblical knowledge. And so that can cause a spiritual crisis in our life. But I think one of the ones that we often neglect the most is our own physical health. Um, if you're anyone like me, you, uh, or if you know me in any way, shape, or form, you know that I'm the type of guy who uh, I really like to care for everyone else around me. And some of the first things that I neglect is my own physical health, and I don't really care about my physical and mental health, but I, I care more about everyone else around me, and that's just the type of person that I am. And so um, it can be easy to neglect those things in our life whenever we get caught up, um, and those things can cause spiritual crisis.
0: All of those things for sure are are things that can trigger a spiritual crisis. You know, you you brought up uh, the death of a loved one or a tragic lifetime event, such as you know storms or maybe a, a car accident or something of that nature. Um, uh, not being grounded in the faith, not having a, a lot of pure biblical knowledge, uh, that can certainly bring on a spiritual crisis if you're not prepared to handle some of the things that this life is going to throw at you. And, and definitely the the physically and mentally of taking care of ourselves, uh, that, that can get neglected and if we neglect that for too long, we're gonna trigger something in our bodies, we're gonna start a crisis. But something that I think that you didn't mention that is worthwhile bringing up mm-hmm. is a, the crisis that happens when we're hurt by someone, especially by another Christian. I'm not gonna go into too many details on air But recently I went through a situation where a Christian that I was very, very close to hurt me a lot was not something that I was prepared to deal with. And it, it shook my faith. Uh, my faith is honestly still probably not at the spot where it needs to be. Um, you know, just trying to bounce back from, from this blow that this, this person dealt to me and and that's something that can happen to anyone, not not just me or, or people on the show, but you know to put it bluntly, people can be really awful. You know, sometimes even Christians. Uh and we're we're told to not hurt our brethren, we're told to not be a stumbling block for our brethren in their walk uh with with the Lord. But that's still gonna happen, unfortunately. There's still gonna be troubles and and tribulations and, and things that go wrong between brethren. I mean, uh, it's unfortunate, but we've, we've seen churches split over material things over the way a certain situation was handled. Uh, Christians are just like any other people They're they're imperfect, they're flawed, they're broken, and they're going to hurt the people around them. Uh, I think it's important for us to remember, though, that we are called to be one member of the same spiritual body as brothers and sisters in Christ. Paul talks in Corinthians, I believe it's Corinthians, about all Christians are part of a building, the or the the house of God, to quote it, or to to, to name it, and to in in each stone. In that building is one individual Christian and without every Christian there, the the building is, is incomplete. Mm -hmm. But what also happens or can happen, unfortunately, is that two stones or two Christians have a disagreement, have a fight. One does something that hurts the other. And when that happens, when those two stones are in conflict and they're, they're hitting each other and that's going to cause the stones to break. And those stones are going to crumble. Those stones are going to be hurt. They're going to be damaged. And that's going to put more of the weight of the building on the stones around them. And eventually causing them to crumble under the the added weight, the added stress. Basically what I'm going at here is when we are in conflict with our brethren, when we are in disagreement, when we are fighting with our brethren, not only is that weakening our faith, but it weakens the faith of the brother or sister that we're fighting with and all the other people that get dragged into the conflict because we can't just keep conflict to ourselves. We have to bring somebody else in. Um, and it's, it's important for us to, to remember, I think, these two things. Uh, first, don't be the Christian that causes another Christian to stumble. Don't intentionally do something that you know will upset your brother or you, you know will scare your sister or harm either of them in any way because not only is that detrimental to them and their faith it hurts you and it's it hurts christ so don't do anything intentionally to hurt your brother and if you do something on accident please reconcile that relationship do something to be able to get past that because otherwise that that fight that disagreement is just going to fester It's just going to become an infection and that infection will spread throughout the church. And that is the last thing we want. We want the church to be pure. We want the church to be perfect. We don't want it to become infected. And secondly, when someone hurts us, especially another Christian, we need to remember that even though the, a church hurt us or a Christian hurt us, that doesn't mean that God hurt us. It means that someone who wants to serve God, Hurt us. God is still perfect. God is is still loving and in in control. God will still provide for us, and ultimately, God still has a plan for myself, for you guys, for everyone who hears this podcast, and for everyone who's ever lived. God has a plan for them, and that's difficult for us to see sometimes. It's difficult for us to trust in that plan when. Going through these times of chaos, when going through these spiritual, when going through a spiritual crisis, but it's important for us to remember that God has that plan. So the two takeaways from this big long tangent: don't do anything to hurt your brethren, and when you're hurt by your brethren, don't retaliate, but and and don't turn your back on God. Anything to add?
1: Uh, Yeah, you you brought up an interesting word uh, towards the end there. You brought up the word trust. Um, This is something we're going to get into a little bit further on, but uh, trust is one of the biggest ways the spiritual crises affect our faith. Mm -hmm. Um, Much of our faith is built on trust, Uh, the trust of God, the trust uh, in the safety of our surroundings, trust in the things we've built. And so whenever that trust is challenged, that's when we often find ourselves hurting most. Uh, so that, that leads to a natural question, which we're about to get into here in just a second. How do we cope with these times of spiritual crisis? What do we do when our trust is failing?
2: That's right. And, you know, we we have Tim on here because he is like the Old Testament historian <laughs> over here. So he, he's about to take us into 1 Kings chapter 18 and 19. And we're really about to explore this wonderful story. And we're going to see how we can use the story and apply it in order to how or in order to have to do with spiritual crisis. So, Tim,
1: take it away. So, so the first step uh, we talk about this a lot. The first step in identifying any sort of problem is to recognize that there is a problem. And, and so, uh, if you would turn with me, if you have your Bibles ready, uh, to First Kings chapter nineteen, uh, we're going to set up some context of this r- first real fast. If you haven't gone back and read the chapter beforehand, First Kings chapter eighteen, I would highly suggest that you do. Uh, Chapter 18 chronicles what Elijah would probably call his biggest moment in his life, if we kind of disregard the moment at the end where he's taken up in the flaming chariot, which would be a great way to go. Um, (laughs) But chapter 18 talks about the story of Elijah and the 400 prophets of Balaam, Mount Carmel. 400 prophets versus one, yet only one pillar of fire is called down that consumes both sacrifice and the water around it. Elijah then goes on to have those 400 prophets killed by the sword. He sends the king of the the nation at this point, Ahab, running home with his tail between his legs. He calls to God, and God brings back the rain after the droughts that have been afflicting. Elijah's on top of the world right now. But if you would pick up with me, starting in verse 1, we're going to see a very different Elijah than the Elijah we just witnessed. And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done. Also how he had executed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, So let the gods do to me, and more also, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And when he saw that, he arose and ran for his life, and went to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, and came and sat down under a broom tree. And he prayed that he might die, and said, It is enough. Now, Lord, take my life, for I am no better than my father's. We go from challenging and even potentially mocking the prophets of Baal to saying, kill me now, Lord, there's nothing left to do. My life is a waste. End me and take me out of my misery. This is clearly a different Elijah who is shaken at this point in his life. So we we can diagnosed kind of what caused it what was the breaking point for Elijah it was the death threat which is honestly an understandable thing to lose a little bit of trust and a little bit of sleep over I'm not quite sure how I would respond if someone threatened my life uh, especially with so short a time span within a day that's awfully ambitious Um, but he's taking this moment and he's lost his focus because of the stimuli
0: Absolutely, Tim. I mean, the fact that Elijah was was running for his life, like you said, that would shake anybody. Um, but it, I think it's important to to realize that you know that's kind of an extreme situation. We as Christians, at least in this country, and we this is something that we need to be very very thankful of. We're not in fear of our lives because of our faith, because of the fact that we're following God. Now, in other places in the world. Unfortunately, there are brothers and sisters who are being persecuted for their faith and i think we need to remember them in our prayers more especially myself i have i do a terrible job of remembering uh other people in my prayers but the the fact of the matter is that's kind of an extreme situation uh you know but god never said this life was going to be easy by any means you know there's going to be a lot of things that come about that strike us that knock us down that that defeat us right but it's not how many times we get knocked down it's how many times we stand back up if life knocks you down seven times you didn't you need to make sure that you stand up eight and I think it's important for us to remember that we don't have to stand up on our own it's not our our own strength that helps us to stand back up we have the strength of our brothers and sisters in Christ, and then we have the strength in Christ to get back up. I want us to to look at Matthew chapter 11, Matthew chapter 11, and we'll be looking at the end of this chapter, verses 28 through 30. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 11, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. As Christians, we're gonna get weary. We're gonna get overwhelmed. We're gonna get heavy laden. We're gonna have these burdens and these sorrows. And that's where God comes in. We hand him the things that we cannot carry, right? Imagine, if you will, a small child trying to lug a backpack or a suitcase or something of that nature. They're not going to be able to do it if the backpack is too heavy, if there's too many things in that suitcase. So their father comes along and he picks it up and he carries it for the child. That's what our father does for us. We just need to make sure that we give him those burdens, those those sorrows, all of those things that, that afflict us and that cause us pain you know, there's, there's a hymn, uh, that I think is just a, a beautiful, beautiful hymn. It's called what a friend we have in Jesus. Uh, and this, this song, especially recently with a situation that I referred to earlier, this song has helped me a lot and it's, it's, it's put a good perspective on things for me. And so I'm going to go ahead and read the lyrics of this hymn for us now. What a friend we have in Jesus all our sins and griefs to care or griefs to bear what a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer oh what peace we often forfeit oh what needless pain we bear all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer have we trials and temptations is there trouble anywhere We should never be discouraged. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Can we find a friend so faithful who will all our sorrows share? Jesus knows our every weakness. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Are we weak and heavy laden, cumbered with a load of care? Precious Savior, still our refuge. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Do thy friends despise, forsake thee? Take it to the Lord in prayer. In his arms, he'll take and shield thee. Thou will find a solace there. It's just a beautiful song, and it reminds us, take it to the Lord in prayer. Because that is how we give all our burdens to the Lord. We hand him our sorrows. That is how he will provide relief to us is when we ask for it in prayer.
1: Absolutely. And I, I want to get back to the prayer thing when I, once we get into um, w- once we get to de- dealing with and coping with our spiritual crises. Um, but I find it interesting as we bring up Matthew chapter 11 and we bring up uh, taking things to Jesus. In all the places I remember in Jesus' teaching, it's never questionable language whenever persecution is mentioned. Um, one of the most prominent examples, because we've just been writing on this, um, is uh, the end of the Beatitudes, the last one that kind of breaks the format. Uh, blessed are you when they disp- uh, revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my name's sake. Uh, I looked into this, made sure, at least in my primitive understanding of uh, the Greek text there, it's very clearly a win statement, not an if statement. Uh, and so that's another thing to keep in mind is that it will happen. Uh, as we, we're going to get into a little bit later on about uh, dealing with our, uh, our crisis, uh, as we just mentioned, we need to understand that this is something that is not going to be foreign to us. If you have not experienced it yet, there will come a day, sadly enough, where something will happen that will take you out of your frame of mind that you are not ready for. And so it's important to be prepared now before that day comes so that you will have some foot to stand on.
2: You know, let's take a moment to pray real quick. Father, we come to you this day and we thank you for this time together. And we thank you for this uh, ability to study your word and to look at how to handle times of chaos. And as we've just discussed and how important prayer is uh, in order to handle these times of chaos, we just want to take a moment to come to you and to pray to you and to ask you to help each and every person who may be listening to the podcast to help Isaiah, to help Tim, to help me, to help all of us uh, become better at handling uh, situations whenever they arise and they shake our faith. We know that you have a plan for us. We know that you are in control of all things. And we know that um, ultimately the things that happen in life are a part of your will. But we pray that whenever times of chaos do strike, that we can learn to uh, strengthen our faith in you and that we can learn to seek you and lean on you and lean on our brothers and sisters in Christ like we've discussed throughout the episode thus far. Be with us, strengthen us, guide us. And we thank you so much for your word and the encouragement that it provides. And we thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. It's in your
0: son's name we pray. Amen. We'll be right back after this short break. Welcome back to the Through the Eyes of Jesus podcast. We're so thankful that you've decided to join us today today and we pray that the first half of our discussion has been enlightening in some ways, uh, but we also hope that it's raised some questions. Namely, what good is it for us to struggle? What good is is it for us to go through these times of spiritual chaos? And I think the answer is struggling makes us a more effective Christian.
1: Oh, absolutely. Uh, we're going to I'm going to turn us back to first uh, kings chapter 19 and we're going to go a little bit beyond uh, the passage in the cave we're going to talk about some things here um the nature of struggle is that it builds us it's very difficult to learn anything if it doesn't challenge us and so here we see if, if you just look at your subheadings for the rest of first kings starting from that subheading if you have those in your bible the next one is Elisha follows Elijah. Elijah is about to be put in a position towards the end of his life where he's facing off against the king. He's training up a young student to to take his place one day and is facing some pretty horrible acts of Ahab. Uh, We'll get in two chapters. uh, Naboth, who has been murdered uh, for his vineyard. And so struggle is a way of building qualities within us.
0: That's a really good point, Tim. Uh, before we before I let you continue, I want to uh, describe. Uh, let I want us to talk about what it really means to struggle as a Christian, just for a brief second. I think it's important for us to realize just admitting that we have a problem, or just admitting that there is a problem, that's not the struggle, right? It can be difficult for us to talk about some of the things that we're going through, but that in and of itself is not the struggle. I I've heard the analogy that one boxer recognizing that another boxer exists is not the struggle the struggle is when the bell rings and those two boxers start throwing punches that's the struggle and so when we say struggle i want us to not think of oh well this is just something that i'm dealing with this is something that's happened to me a struggle is a fight right we are we are supposed to struggle with temptation not in the fact that We get tempted so easily, but in the fact that we resist temptation, we put up a fight to temptation. We're supposed to struggle with sin, not in the sense that we're supposed to just give into it or let it happen, but in the sense that we're fighting it, in the sense that we're putting up a resistance to sin. And I think it's important for us as we look at struggle to not just think this is something that's happening. This is rather we need to think of it as this is the fight that I'm going through. This is the round that I'm putting up, right? This is, this is what is happening. And this is my response to it. That's a struggle. Back to you, Tim.
1: Absolutely. So I kind of want to take this mentorship uh, aspect as we look at Elijah coming to Elisha and we're going to use some different passages here, but struggling builds our character in ways that few other things can. I, I think we've, All kind of contributed some with these verses, Um, but we're going to take a little bit from James. We're going to take a little bit from Esther, and we're going to take a little bit from Ephesians to kind of build this example, build this image of what struggling does to us as a Christian.
0: We also have one from John that we just didn't put on our notes. Be organized, people. Um,
1: (laughs) You know, imitate me just as I also imitate Christ, but also imitate Christ in places where I'm not, and in this case, be organized. (laughs) Amen. <laughs> uh, so do we want to start with John or do we just want to start with uh, James?
0: Let's go ahead and turn to John just right. really quickly. John chapter 16, uh, this is right before Jesus' prayer in the garden uh, in John chapter 17. But in John chapter 16, he's speaking to his apostles. And the last verse of this chapter, uh, verse 33, John records Jesus saying, These things I have spoken to you, so that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take courage. I have overcome the world. So this world is going to throw things at us. This world is going to become chaotic. This world is going to be confusing and unpredictable and painful. And that's okay. Because Jesus beat the world. Jesus overcame the world.
1: So, something we were talking about this morning we had a wonderful speaker come speak for us this morning on uh, the challenges of anxiety especially relating to uh, the collegiate life and and so part of that was mindfulness uh being able to break yourself from the uh s- break yourself from the situation and focus on something real and, and so i think that's part of what he's getting at here reminding us i have already overcome the world focus on me
2: that's right and whenever we focus uh on jesus it can help us build our character and i think james chapter one verses two through four uh brings this idea of building up our character my brethren count it all joy when you fall into various trials knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience but let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete lacking nothing and you know building character is something that is important and whenever we go through these trials we go through these chaotic times in our life it's going to build us up as a Christian, and we're going to learn from these things. And I think one of y'all mentioned it earlier about, you know, we, we have to get back up and we have to um, we have to uh, get back up from whenever we fall. And whenever we get back up one more time, I think it was Isaiah who was talking about this. Whenever we get back up, the eight time, that helps build our character, that helps uh, define us, and it helps um, show who we truly are. It shows us that we're strong. But we don't always need to get up by ourselves. We need to constantly continue to lean on Jesus, lean on what His Word has to say, and um, whenever we do this, it can uh, become very useful in our
1: Christian life. Absolutely, that is a wonderful takeaway. There, Um, we briefly mentioned Esther chapter uh, Esther whenever I was kind of leading up to this. Esther chapter four, verse fourteen is kind of a very prominent. Uh, passage. It's a very turbulent time in the, uh, the the kingdom as the Israelites have been taken into captivity, and Esther is now facing a difficult choice: whether or not she's going to step up and uh, help out her children, even in the face of death. And so it becomes Mordecai is kind of reassuring her here that God does have, even through the difficult moments, a use for her in that spot. Uh, for if you remain completely silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. Yet who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. That, that kind of second sentence is kind of what I'm wanting to focus on here. So I apologize for skimming through that first part. Uh, we often become self uh, we can often see very little beyond ourselves whenever we're in a time of struggle. Our light has dimmed and it's very difficult to get a perspective of those around us yet our struggle could help us in the future when helping another brother or sister in the kingdom or even outside of the kingdom uh, if you if you're someone who's dealt with uh, mental mental health issues. If you're someone who has dealt with a catastrophic loss or a a property or a death in the family, and someone comes across your life, someone enters your path who is subsequently dealing with similar issues, and you now have a perspective on that of how God's helped you through it, you can help lead them into the right paths to help them discover that on their own. Uh, It helps you become useful to the kingdom of God.
0: That, that reminds me of a passage in Ephesians that you brought up a little bit earlier, uh, Ephesians chapter 3. In this passage, Paul is talking about how the grace of God was at first extended to the Jews through the Old Covenant. And then when the New Covenant was introduced, the Gentiles were uh, were brought under the grace of God. And he says that even he, the, the chief of sinners, he, just, he calls himself uh, the very least of all saints, according to the New American Standard, in verse 8, he calls himself the very least of all saints. He says that he was also given the grace of God. And because of that, and because of the choices that Paul's made since then, God has been able to use him to preach to, to people who may, not, may have never gotten to hear the gospel in the first place, like rulers and kings and such like that. And because of the, the boldness of which he proclaimed the gospel to these powerful men, Paul's beaten, Paul's imprisoned. Paul is falsely persecuted and murdered, uh, or attempted murder, excuse me. Paul goes through so many things, and we can look at that in, I believe it's 2 Corinthians 11. Uh, Paul just goes through so many things, and then in verse 13, he tells the church at Ephesus, therefore I ask you not to lose heart at my tribulations on your behalf, for they are your glory, right? What Tim was talking about earlier, when we go through something, catastrophic, when we go through something traumatic, when we go through something shattering, not only when we recover from that, will that build us up closer to God? Will that bring us closer to him? Because we realize that we would not have made it through that situation without him, without his comfort. But when someone else is going through a similar situation, we can help them. You know, It's been my experience that a lot of people, not just Christians, but a lot of people, when they go through something, their their mind jumps to what Elijah was thinking. I'm so alone. I have no one around me. No one else knows what it's like to go through what I'm going through. I, I had thought that myself with certain temptations that I faced in my own life, that because of what I was doing, no one... None of my brethren would love me if I told them. They would not understand. And I found the opposite to be true. Once I finally was able to, to talk to somebody about some of the temptations and the trials that, that I've uh, struggled with, and I, I hope that I'm actually living up to the definition of struggle that I provided earlier, but some of the things that I've gone through, they didn't shout at me. They didn't tell me I was a terrible Christian. and said they said, I've been going through the same thing. And there's so much comfort in that when we realize that we're not the only person who's gone through something that, that, that we've gone through. And we, when we can be that to someone else, it's such a beautiful thing. And it's such an uplifting thing. And it's such an encouraging thing and, a, and it strengthens the bond that we have as brothers and sisters in Christ.
1: You know, me and Walker, we've been going through a, a study in the book of Romans, kind of in our personal times. And, and a running theme at this point has kind of been how much of a rock star of the faith <laughs> that Paul is. We, we, every every time, there's just a mention, most of the time by me, to be completely honest, uh, of just how much Paul has went through and how much it affects his boldness. Um, he says in 1 Corinthians 9.22 that he has become all things to all men that he might in turn win some. Uh, Paul leads by example. People can view him as... A man persecuted or they can view him as a man changed they can view him as a man forgiven or they could view him as a man who is dealing with struggles is thorn in the side uh, paul is perhaps one of the best examples of being an example in scripture
2: most definitely and you know you mentioned something earlier about the chapel speaker this morning um, at Fried Hardeman and he said something that stuck out to me he said that your anxiety doesn't define you and I think something that we could take away from what we've just discussed so far is that your struggles don't define you and it may feel like the times that you're going through uh, they may be lasting forever it may feel like or they may, be, uh, they may be going on longer than you would like but just remember that they're temporary and that you know you can get back up from these moments. We've looked at Paul, we've looked at uh, all these different accounts um, throughout James and Esther and Ephesians. And we, we've, we've really recapped on how uh, (laughs) struggling can, um, can help us be a more effective Christian. And, you know, whenever I'm reminded of struggling, making us a more effective Christian, I think one of the ways to do that is what we've been saying this whole time is leaning on Jesus and leaning on him to help us direct our paths. And the verse that I'm constantly reminded of is Proverbs 3 verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight.
0: It's it's such a powerful passage when we just stop and think about it. Mm -hmm. God will make our paths straight. I mean, it's just, it really shows just how powerful our God is, right? and how much he cares for all of us. Mm -hmm. There's a a sign in this room, actually. uh, It starts with when things get tough. And the sign says that the shortest chapter in the Bible is Psalms 117. The longest chapter is Psalms 119. And the center chapter, the one in the middle is Psalms 118. There's 594 chapters before it and 594 chapters afterwards. Psalm 118 is the central chapter of the Bible, at least in terms of where it's placed. And if you get, if you add those two numbers up, you end up with 1,188. The 118th Psalm and the eighth verse in that Psalm says, it is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. Right. And I think that's just so powerful that literally the way that our scriptures are arranged the center piece of that, of that scripture, of that arrangement, is trusting God. And I think it, it, it I mean, the, the sign sums it up when it says at the bottom, when things get tough, always remember, faith doesn't get you around trouble. Faith gets you through it.
1: You brought up that word again, which I said we were going to go back to. We're getting back to this <laughs> idea of trust. Um, but the Proverbs writer uses a very specific word. that sentence as well trust in the lord with all god doesn't want us to be haphazardly or half-heartedly trusting in him god expects a full dedication and what you get in return for that is someone who knows what you're going through knows what you're going to and knows what you're going to be on the other side of it but that's not always going to come in the form of an easy or explicit answer Uh, If we go back to 1 Kings chapter 19, whenever God is kind of consoling Elijah, he doesn't say, it's going to be all right, Elijah. Calm down. Take a tissue. Take a 20-minute (laughs) walk. God says, here's what I'm going to do about it. I'm going to give you the names of three people who you need to go track down. They're who I'm going to put to lead this country, both physically and spiritually. I'm going to give you the number of people who have not yet even come towards the idol to worship. Uh, there, there's all kinds of studies you can do about how historically uh, the nature of re- the religious worship of the pagan religions around them was and how that relates to the verses here. However, that's not necessarily important to understand what God's trying to get at here. He doesn't give Elijah the answer he's looking for, he gives Elijah the answer he needs. We need to be expecting that and not hoping for an easy answer. But once we can do that, once we can give all into those answers we don't expect, then we can begin to build ourselves in Christ. That's
2: right. And it starts by uh, we start to realize our purpose. Remember, we put our whole heart into God whenever we lean on him fully for everything like Tim was talking about. And it begins to build our identity and it begins to build our belief. Absolutely.
0: And, you know, we see things like uh, Romans chapter six and going in a little bit to chapter seven. We see John chapter 14, the first six verses there. And we see that we really have no reason to doubt. We have no, and obviously there are going to be things that make us doubt. And that's normal as Christians. And I think we should take those and and figure out why we're doubting and then look to God for the answers. But the point I'm trying to make is God has Kept faithful on every promise he's ever made. God has been faithful to every word he's ever said, and that will continue. I mean, we literally have several verses in the scriptures. I'm thinking of Titus chapter 1 and verse 2, Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 18, where it explicitly says that God cannot lie. And I just think that's such a powerful statement when we realize the fact that God cannot lie and God inspired the scriptures and the scriptures when we take those things into context can give us so much comfort
2: we, we've talked a lot about uh various different ways that we can um handle our times of chaos and i think uh it all goes back to what we mentioned at the very beginning of the podcast and is taking care of ourselves physically and spiritually And taking care of our needs first before we worry about the needs of others because if we're not focused on the inside about or if we're not good on the inside with our physical and spiritual needs how are we able to help others during their times of crisis or their times of chaos as well
1: additionally if you're not taking physical care of yourself if you're if you're not eating the way you should be if you're not getting the fluids you should be how can you take the time to focus Mm -hmm. on the things of god truly uh, there's a difference here between the idea of fasting and simply not taking care of ourselves. Obviously, fasting is a spiritual discipline to help us uh, go through these times. But whenever our body is not being taken care of, our body becomes its priority. We begin to seek out things. We begin to obsess over things. I'm, I'm sure we've skipped a meal and by the time uh, on a Sunday afternoon because we're busy. And by the time that spe- uh, the preacher gets up, to give that 20-minute sermon, all you can think about is a cheeseburger you're going to grab on the way home to the drive through It becomes our priority, singular. Whenever we take care of ourselves, we can change that focus and make our spiritual life our priority. But we also need to take care of our mental health. That's something we as Christians, historically, and overall not just the brotherhood, anyone who has lived with themselves, have been really bad about emphasizing. Because these things are God-given. God has given us every good and perfect thing. And so the ability to take care of our own bodies and minds is something we should be seeking out. Uh, So if you're struggling mentally, take care of it. That's something Jesus did. Uh, You mentioned the Garden of Gethsemane. We're going to go to a different book to kind of uh, paraphrase this. Whenever Jesus is there in the garden, He's got his 12 closest friends with him, and he's spending his time refocusing in prayer. Uh, If we go just after the beheading of his cousin, John the Baptist, someone who he clearly, from their experience in the first few chapters of John, had a connection to, he goes away from the crowds, once again bringing only his closest people who he trusts to take care of himself, to mourn. We can't let these things become... Unimportant or undealt with because they will become our focus.
0: Uh, you you were talking there, Tim, and, and you're you're right. Jesus would always take time to make sure that he was in the place that he needed to be, both mentally and spiritually. And I'm reminded of John chapter eleven when he's told that his good friend Lazarus has passed away. Uh, I'm I'm reminded of verse thirty-five, the shortest verse in all of the Bible,
1: only in English. But... <laughs>
0: And the shortest English verse in the Bible. <laughs> Thank you, Tim. And, and the verse is, of course, Jesus wept. And we as Christians, especially we as male Christians, we have a hard time accepting that. We have a hard time saying it's okay to cry. But in reality, it is. It's, it's something that helps us get things off our chest mentally and emotionally. It helps clear our thoughts. And like, like you mentioned, Tim, Taking care of ourselves mentally and spiritually and physically needs to be at our, needs to be our top priority just below serving God. Because if we're not taking care of ourselves, we're not going to be able to serve God. That's
2: right. And whenever we take care of ourselves and we keep in mind, everything that we've discussed this after or during the show today is afternoon time whenever we're recording this, I said this afternoon, but whatever (laughs) time of day you're watching this show, um, Whenever we keep in mind these things, you know, we, we have a hope in the end because we know what our end goal is. We know that our end goal is heaven. We know that that's what we're striving to get to. And no matter what chaotic time hits us in our life, let's never neglect the reward that waits for us on the other side. Because in John chapter 14, like Isaiah referenced earlier, it's one of my favorite passages in the New Testament. Um, specifically verses 1 through 6, because it talks about the hope of heaven that we have in Jesus and uh, how he's went to prepare a place for us and how he's going to come back and he's going to take us as his own. And he says that he's the only way, the truth in life, and that no man can come to the Father except through him. And so we have an end reward waiting for us on the other side. And no matter what situation may hit us uh, during our, our life, let us never neglect the fact of our home in heaven that waits for us if we are faithful and just to get there.
0: Amen, Walker. Amen. Unfortunately, that is all the time that we have here today. We pray that this podcast has been uplifting to you, that it's helped you in some way. That's that if you're going through these times of chaos, you now have a way to navigate it. Uh, just a few housekeeping things: we want to remind you that we do have a phone number. You can text us or call us uh, if you have a question, if you have a comment, if you would like to organize a, a study of some kind. You feel free, feel free to reach out to us at seven three one. Again, that's 731-439-9671. We also have our own Instagram and website. The website is tteoj.com. And the Instagram handle is tteoj underscore podcast. Again, tteoj.com or tteoj underscore podcast. And feel free to reach out to us on Instagram those as well. And brothers, I thank you so much for, for joining me today. Remember, for those at home and for us as well, when we're going through these times of chaos, the only place we're supposed to churn and the only place that will help us to churn is to God. Thank you so much for listening and have a great day.